Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to listen to the best music podcast ever? ever. Available on six platforms: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, and more. You're listening to the When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast with James Cox and Blake Mosley. When words fail, music speaks. Interview. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I have the distinct honor of introducing you to a gentleman that I've known for a very, very long time. I've known him since 2005, and that's what, 15 years now? Right, just about 15 years. And he's been a great friend as well as a great artist and that plays guitar. And he has played in five bands that I, that I know of personally, such as Bull Street, Never Better, Down Count, Audio Shot, and most recent band, Bad Cash. He's a local legend in Columbia, South Carolina, and still continues to make music to this day. Please welcome Eric Fleming. So that's his, his uh, down count song. Uh, please welcome Eric Fleming right here with me right now. And what's going on, man? Hey, man, not much. Man. Thank you for having me. It's yep, awesome sir. to be here. And I'd like to say that funky intro you have for your show is just killer. I love oh, some thank funk you. music. Thank you, brother. It's good, yeah. And on the other side of the moon, along with the two astronauts that lifted off, we got Blake Mosley, also known as Brosley. What's going on, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Good, man. How's it going on the moon? Uh, you know, it's a whole lot better than how things are on Earth. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Crazy times. Uh, crazy times. Man. They really are, man. This is a, this is a crazy time to be living. But, you know, um, I saw something the other day. A lot of people were talking about how, you know, 2020 is just crap. It's a dumpster fire of a year so far, and they're not wrong. Um, <laughs> but instead of like hitting the reset button or fast forward into 2021, why don't we make this the year that things like finally start changing? So, you know, like let's, let's open up 
our eyes a little bit to what's going on around us and um yeah finally start doing something about it you know so it can it, there's some good that can come out of uh of the crap that's going on right now i think so yeah i agree true. i agree okay but the so, moon is a lot better yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so before we start asking you questions um I, I i mentioned in the intro we've known each other for 15 years uh, that's a funny story. Uh, so I want to I, I want everybody in the, to hear what you uh, know know thought, uh, thought back to where you met me. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, I got an older brother. He's probably my biggest musical influence, just because he's the one that had vinyl records at the house. Right. And uh, introduced me to stuff like Kiss and Ozzy. We can talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um. So he ended up with uh, extra black uh, extra ticket to a Black Label Society show. Right. Or he bought me one. Nice. I can't remember exactly how. So we traveled to Charleston or Sumter or Augusta or somewhere, and met you and Art. Yeah. At yeah. the show, just we just happened to be standing in the same <clears throat> place uh, on the floor, and just hey man, was just felt it, you know, at a kinship or whatever. You just kind of meet yeah. somebody and go, where are you guys from? All that kind of stuff. Right. Well, we're from Columbia, right down the road from you, and just uh, yeah. just kind of just stayed in touch. Right. Yeah. Through social media and stuff ever since then. The way I remember us meeting is um, Art. Uh, Art's a big guy, um, Rosalie, you know. And and back, yeah. back back in the he drank a lot of beer, right? You know, remember that? I remember that. Yeah. Two on each hand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he so he <laughs> said. Yeah. So so I I was in at like the front row of the Black Label Society show, and I was, I'll be right back. And you uh, tap my shoulder and say, "Your first art will be right back." And that's how I'm, that's how I remember meeting you for the first time. And I'm like, okay. "All right, well, if I if I you know um, thanks this guy's cool, I you know, I think he's a pretty cool guy, you know." Yeah, so that's the first time I you know I I, uh, I met Eric. So I think he come back with four or five Budweisers he, here. Man gave me one. He came and with had his others, and he, he just he, stood behind you, made sure you were safe yeah, for the show. Yeah, he, matter of fact, he came with two beers in each hand, grossly. This guy nice. could this guy could put it away, but he caught up to him, so he's he's doing better now. So you know, so that's yeah. him. He so, was looking good the other yeah. day at your birthday party. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's true. Because uh, he did come to my um, surprise birthday party that I had no idea that they were <laughs> doing for me. So good yeah. times, man. Good oh yeah, times. yeah. So, it's a good thing about twenty twenty, right? It's, it's very good. good. I'm still alive, right? Yeah, that's so, right. So that's good. So, uh, can you remember your earliest music memory? I can't say that I remember one specific thing. Mm -hmm. I do remember just as a child growing up, my dad coming home from work, and he had a vinyl collection too. And um, he'd just go in the back room and turn on some music and sing along with it. He had like old rock and roll, the Beatles, uh, the Monkees, stuff like that. He'd have a lot of Motown temptations and stuff, nice. and he had a lot of country, like country a lot. And at the time, I was like, oh, this is okay. After I've, after I've grown up some... Stuff like Wailing Jennings, I love it. Mm. Now I was a you know punk eighteen year old. I'm like, man, I ain't got time for that. That's not Metallica. That's not cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was growed up, matured, and stuff. And I'd listen to it, and like Wailing's greatest hits is one of my favorite um, oh, yeah. CDs. Yeah. I'm old school enough to keep CDs. I don't even download stuff. There you, you know? go. There, and so that one is about. just like a favorite of mine. <laughs> yeah. So that my earliest yep. stuff was my dad playing music in the house, and it was such a wide range <clears> of stuff he would play. Right. Uh, you said you 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 have CDs now. Do you have any cassettes? Remember those old cassettes that you put in the old old timey cars? Yes, I yes. remember cassettes. I might have a few like in my um, garage or something. Right. 
uh, but I don't have a cassette player. Yeah. I do have, I have an old pickup truck that I drive that has a cassette player, but it doesn't work. Right. Oh, yeah. So, oh, <laughs> what a tease. <laughs> oh, by the way, bros, they call me a flip phone Fleming sometimes because I still work the flip phone. So that just shows you how old school I am. And I can, and I, and I can testify to that because I did see the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I bet it holds up well too, way better than what we got now. It does. It really it. does. Go black. <laughs> and nobody can find them. That's probably the best part of the yeah. phone. <laughs> Might be worth something right. one day. But you know, That's like right. we're talking about music and stuff like that. The thing I like about just keeping a flip phone is everywhere I go, I don't have to be connected online. Yes. When I go yeah. to concerts, right. I'm not watching a concert through my phone trying to make video. Right. I'm watching right. the concert. Yeah. And I think a lot of people miss that nowadays. Right. And I think you should because concerts sure. are like once in a lifetime. So, you know, and, and, and how many times do you rewatch it over and over and over after the show? Right. You know, no, no one does that anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've always felt the same way. Like, you tend to forget more um, when you go to a show and you, you're trying to record every song and it's just even though you can go back and play it in in your mind you just can't remember as well so um my wife and i have made a pact that we won't i mean we may pull out our phone and, and like grab a clip of us of our favorite song or whatever um but for the most part we try to make it a rule like let's don't let's don't focus on getting pictures and all that stuff we just remember things so much better and how great of an experience it is when you uh, can just go to a show like it's meant to be, and you're supposed to just watch the the band, listen to your favorite songs, and participate. You know what I mean? It's just uh, it's different. Oh yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So, um, what age did you uh, did you want to become a musician? I think it was around twelve, maybe. Um, cool. I, my older brother, I was talking about him earlier when you were went on vacation. And he had a Walkman. If you remember those, you're talking about cassettes yeah, a while ago. Yeah. He had a, one of those original right. Walkmans. And he had a Billy Joel cassette and Blizzard of Oz by Blizzard. Yeah, Blizzard of Oz by Ozzy, his first uh, yeah. record. Yeah, great record. And so on this vacation, we all got to take turns, me, my brother, and my sister, listening to his Walkman. Nice. And I put in Blizzard of Oz, and man, it just, wow. I don't know what it was about that album. And when I listen to it today, it takes me back. Yeah, but yeah. I just at that point, I mean, I was 11, 12 years old. I want, I was totally into baseball. Wanted to be a baseball player. I heard that album that summer on vacation, and it just it it just changed my perception on what I wanted to do in life. Right? You know, I mean, I didn't make a yeah. million dollars playing music or whatever, but still, just that lit that musician fire in me like nothing else I'd heard before. And yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say absolutely, without a doubt, Blizzard of Oz. Is what made me. Randy Rhodes' guitar playing on that album is so good that that one recording made me want to play guitar. Yeah, isn't I, that crazy how music can do that? Like it in is. an instant. Like you have your whole life planned, <laughs> even at a young age, you <laughs> right. already know. And you know something something as powerful as music can just flip script every single time. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's crazy too how just different stuff does it for people. Like, like when I was a kid, my brother was really into Kiss. And I still love Ace Frehley. I thought he was the coolest member of the band. And so I jumped around playing right. air guitar to Ace Frehley solos yeah. and stuff like that and heard the Van Halen stuff and the Black Sabbath stuff and all that. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. I love Journey. I thought, you know, their guitar player and singer were just amazing. Right. So I like that kind of stuff too. But just Lizard of Oz, that album, just it hit 
it struck a note <laughs> in me that yeah. nothing else did. And it's like, I've got to know how to do that. Right. Yeah. That's so, cool. so, uh, when you decided you want to be a rock star, what was the first instrument that you bought? Um, I bought a, an acoustic guitar from a music store. Like I grew up in a little town. There was no real musician stores there. So that year for that summer, I heard Blizzard of Oz. I remember telling my dad, all I want for Christmas is money. All I want for my birthday, which is in October, is money. It's money. Give me, yeah. Because right. I'm about getting a guitar. And so that's what they did. They gave me money. And right after Christmas, my dad drove me to Florence, South Carolina. Right. Which was about the closest to the little hick town I grew up in. And uh, <laughs> and I went to a music store, just told him what I was doing everything. And this guy turned me on to this guitar. Con was the brand name, C-O-N-N. Not very popular now. Still have it. It's in my bedroom. Okay. Oh, nice. Just had yeah. it refurbished recently. Oh, nice. Yeah. Got that and like a chord book. And my parents found someone in town that was doing guitar lessons, mm -hmm. and they hooked me up with that. So they were very much um, supportive in a way, even though they didn't really get the kind of music I was into. Right. Yeah. They, you know, helped me get a guitar, helped me get lessons, and that kind of stuff. So cool. That's cool. Cool. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, man, that's cool. I, I, I can relate. <laughs> you know, I, I had I had a similar experience with playing drums. I, you know, I heard Travis Barker for the first time okay. at the age of 10, and I was like, this is incredible. I can't even I, – I, I, I was familiar with drums because I played – they had, like, my school had a very small, like, orchestra band, and in fourth grade, that was the first year that you could join. And so I, I did the percussion stuff, so I was familiar with – percussion and realized that I had an ear for music. So I was listening to Blink-182 a long time ago and it's like, this is, I, I don't even understand what he's doing. <laughs> and um, same thing. I was like, Hey dad, I'd like to play the drums. <laughs> and yeah. he's, and he's like, let's go. Let, let, let's oh, nice. Let's oh, nice. So, okay. So he was pulled you know, behind he, you, huh? Yeah. He, so he wanted to play. Um, he wanted to, just play music in general. He was such a huge Motown fan. Uh, and he, you know, he loved Southern gospel, but he can never play any instruments. So when I showed interest, he was like, let's do it. You know, and it, it was cool, very supportive. But then I started getting into like heavier things, <laughs> and right. stuff that nobody understood. So Slipknot and all that, you know, whenever I was younger and, and everybody was like, all right. <laughs> but, um, if you think that, you, uh, if if you think you that Travis Barker was crazy on drums, um, I don't know if you heard of a band called Mushuga, but their drummer oh, yeah. is literally insane, yeah. dude. You need to listen yeah, he's, to some of that. Wild. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, did you uh, did you start any bands when you were in high school? Um, and if so, as embarrassing as they may be, what was their names? <laughs> I tried and failed every time <laughs> in high school. Oh no! Oh. Like I said, this. I grew up, the town's called Bennettsville. It's about two hours from here in Columbia. There's sure. just really nothing there. I think maybe five years ago they got a Walmart. So it just shows you how, you know, Moving backwards on it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'd have to go out of town to get music. I'd have to go out of town to um, you know, check out instruments or buy cassettes or whatever. Sure. So I tried. Uh, I think the very first band I actually got formed was called Ground Zero, and it was right when I was out of high school. Yeah. And uh, I don't think anybody else in the band was from Bennettsville. They were from surrounding little towns or whatever that were in the same boat as I was. 
Right. And so, yeah, Ground Zero, that would have been the first thing. And it was a cover band that played for, you know, a year or two or whatever and just kind of fizzled out. It's a cool name, though. Yeah. It was. I've, since then, I think I've heard about five or six different bands. Yeah, I used to play in this band yeah. called Ground Zero. <laughs> you too, right? Okay, so it's kind of a popular name, yeah. I guess. I just wonder who has the trademark on it. I think right, Bino does, right. you know, because he's he's in, in everything else. So why not the band, you know? That's right. So yeah. yeah. Um. Well, since you formed bands in high school, um, what was the what was the music scene like in your high school days, high school years? Well, I would say there probably was none. Okay. Where I grew up. Okay. But then the little towns, Florence had a little stuff going on. Right. Laurenburg, North Carolina, Rockingham, North Carolina. I think when I was in that band right out of high school, the places we would play usually were like in Laurenburg or Rockingham, North Carolina. Right. A couple of guys in that band were from that area. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think to this day there is any establishment in Bennettsville you can go out and have a drink in. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Some places <laughs> might serve beer, but, you know, if you want to go out for some shots and hang out and listen to live music, it's just not there. Right. Well, um, what, what type of music would you say has influenced you the most as a musician? Well, like I mentioned earlier, just Blizzard of Oz, not even Styles, yeah. that one cassette is just what set me off. But, you know, since then, sure. just, I guess, from maybe my dad's example of how he just listened to so much stuff. I right. mean, man, I love funk stuff. I was telling uh, James that funky intro is just so cool. <laughs> Um, love funk, Motown, you know, James Brown, awesome stuff. I love rap. You know, I told James I wasn't getting into politics, but I've listened to a lot of NWA lately. Uh, right. Love, right. Some, uh, love some Public Enemy. Chuck D's my favorite rapper. Right. Um, country yeah. music. Like I said, Waylon, uh, yeah. those kind of guys or whatever, just, just to me, epitomize music not styles just something about what they do is just like man that it's just yeah. it's just good music you yeah know, you it is. classified sure. as really anything else but all those genres man i'm really into the one yeah. thing i haven't really really been able to get into is probably opera and maybe some hardcore jazz that just doesn't seem to have a flow <laughs> it's about look yeah. what i can do musically <laughs> and right. to me man, i just want to you know to me feeling music is more about the flow of the music, not what I can do technically. Right. Well, I'm gonna blow your mind for just a minute. So you remember how you like how you said you liked our intro? Yes. You're talking to one of the guys who actually made the music for the intro, awesome. and that's Mr. Brodley. <laughs> props, props, my man. And he made it on Thanks, his smartphone. Dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Garage Band. <Yeah>, <laughs> Garage Band app on my phone. Oh. So I discovered the Garage Band app. I was in a band, um, and we were, uh, we'd gotten together one night and, uh, we're writing music, but as a drummer, I didn't feel like I could contribute very much until they kind of get the foundation of the song and then I can, you know, add some stuff. So we got together and they're all writing music and I just pulled out my phone and I was like, you know, maybe I can make like a countdown intro type thing. We were like a, uh, like a worship christian rock type thing and uh you know we our usual gigs was playing churches so i was like well maybe we can do like a little countdown intro thing as we're getting set up or whatever 
and I can come up with a song or whatever. I, I know people use this GarageBand app a good bit. So I pulled it up, threw some headphone, uh, headphones on, just kind of messed with something, came up with this intro type thing, and then we never used it. <laughs> um, but I kind of made a condensed version of the intro for uh, my other podcast um, called Not Religious. And um, so that was like clips of it broken down more like dubstepy electronic hip-hop sounding and uh and then uh me and james had a podcast before like a year or two ago and he was like can you do the intro song for it threw something together with that as well on that garage band app and it sounded decent i was like oh that's cool and so he asked me about doing another one for for this one and i was like i'm going funk let's go yeah kind of funky yeah it's a music podcast let's make it funky so um, I appreciate it, man. It, it's uh, technology is wild. <laughs> right. Can I interject something real quick about drummers? I'm not a drummer, but I know a lot of times people that are quote unquote musicians that play a musical instrument have this idea mm-hmm. about drummers that it's not a musical instrument, it's a percussion instrument, and this and that and the other. <laughs> Listen to the intro to Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. dude. Drum Absolutely. Lick yep. is what I call it. Yeah. That's not musical. I don't know what is. So yeah. John you know, I believe an amazing person. Right. Yeah, sir. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I believe drummers deserve songwriting credit on songs they help create. But uh, anyway, okay, back to our regularly scheduled <laughs> Thanks, programming. Man. Thanks, man. <laughs> and I'll interject one more thing about uh, you, brought in, you brought up Led Zeppelin and John Bonham. But uh, James, did you see the picture of the drum set that I posted on my story yesterday? Uh, I want to say I did, but I can't remember. I'll have to send it to you. So yeah. for church yesterday, we've been doing outdoor services and, uh, there's a guy, another drummer at my church that he played last week and he didn't feel like taking his drums home. And he was like, Hey Blake, do you want to just play these next week? And I was like, yeah, if you, if you don't mind. So it's, it's a Ludwig John Bonham drum set. Um, with all the dimensions that he used to play, and it's like a clear acrylic drum set. It looks so cool. And I was just like, I was fangirling the entire time. Is <laughs> it transparent? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh those are the best. It's not the orange ones, but it's the clear ones. Yeah. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty wild. They sounded in, incredible, and I'm hoping one day he just comes up to me and asks me if I'm interested in uh, taking them off his hands. So. <laughs> and you said yes. Am I correct? Yeah, I, one day. One day. Oh, well, oh, okay. So you're not having I them told right him now. I was out of. Uh, I was kind of not out of the market right now for buying a new drum set. But uh, you know, kind of when we get the house where we want it, we'll we'll bring that up again. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so if you if you weren't a rocker, what what other genre would you be interested in playing? Oh man, that one's tough. If I had to pick one, I would probably say country, like old school country, just yeah. because I love the guitar playing. Now, I love the guitar playing and funk stuff, uh, but there's a certain feel a lot of those guys have that sometimes I feel like when I'm if I'm messing around playing, you know, Love Roller Coaster or something, I can play it, but I don't right. know if I've actually got the feel. Maybe I don't have quite enough soul. Um, right. Kind of like a intro does. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe country. Um, I love DJ stuff, like old school DJ. Like when I was growing up, the guys would get like two turntables and do stuff. Right. Um, that would be awesome to learn how to do and know how to do it. 
So um, I could see me doing that because I love hip hop and rap so much. Um, If I had to pick one, probably country, just because a lot of country is more guitar driven in some ways, like, uh, you know, like rock and roll is. And other styles don't seem to be quite as guitar driven. And I'm all about the guitar. Yeah. But props to the drummers as well and the bass players and all <laughs> right. the other instruments. Props to everybody on her. Yeah. Um, well, since you said you like country, who do you think is the next um, big time star? Like, you you know, you had those Johnny Cash's, Willie Nelson's, um, Merle Haggard's. Uh, who do you think now is the, like the, like the supreme being right now? Um, if, if there hmm. is one. Country-wise? Country-wise. Okay. I have one, so I want to know if you are on the same wavelength as me. Okay. There are two country artists that are current country artists that I really like. Okay. And I'm not knocking the genre itself because, like, with any styles, you have a lot of generic-sounding stuff. Right, People sure. try to copy and sound, like, good for the radio and this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. So I don't mean this is any disregard to any of those artists. Right. But the two artists, current country artists that kind of stand out to me are Luke Combs because he's got some yeah. great songs okay. and the engineering on his albums are so good. Okay, that's, I love the snare sound. Okay, that's one of the guys. Albums. Yeah, We're on the same link right now. Chris Jansen is the other. Lyrically, okay. he is great. His songs are simple and to the point and they're, you know, kind of like the Kiss method. Keep it simple. Right. Um, yeah. He's not trying to be <laughs> anything that he's not. Right. He just writes really good lyrics and the engineering on those albums are as well. Right. Awesome as well. So those two, I would say, are the country artists today that I'm really into. Right. I agree with you on the Luke Combs. I think he's doing fantastic things. Um, Great I writer. Think, I think last year he got inducted into Grand Ole Opry, which is a tremendously, oh, tremendously well a, a big step. Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the other country artist, I think, is Chris Stapleton. Yeah. Um, I'm not he sure. He definitely you, deserves props. Yes, absolutely. He is the most... His music moves me in such a way that I can't really explain to anybody, you know. So, yeah, he's he's one of a kind, you know. So, when I get home today. I'm going to go online and order his CDs. Since I'm old school. I like CDs and albums and cassettes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of them. All of them. Yes, he's got some good stuff. The stuff oh, yeah. I've heard, I yeah. like. Yeah. So when you bought your get when you bought your first guitar, uh, could you play by ear or did you learn tablature tabs? When I first got a guitar, tablatures hadn't even come out yet. Okay. So it was these like chord books that the guitar instructor said, you know, sign up for this lessons or whatever, get this book. Right. He was showing me basic chords. And it was like a diagram of which fingers you put and where. Right. So you know, like a like a chord chart. So that's what I started out with. So I guess after that I would develop stuff playing some by ear, but tablature helped out a lot growing up too, because I remember as a kid going into the record bar in Florence, South Carolina, they had to stand a music songbook. So I'm like, hmm, I saw one with Ozzy. I opened it up yeah. and it had songs from Lizard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. I was like, holy Right. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what, what is this? This is what Randy Rhodes is playing on those records. Yeah. Because, you know, after that vacation, I got home and my brother had Diary of a Madman on vinyl. And so I just wore that thing out yeah. along with Blizzard of Oz. <laughs> right. And right, Blizzo. I just, you know, was obsessed with learning how to play guitar. And, of course, right away, I couldn't play the Randy Rhodes stuff. No, I mean. But the tablature yeah. helped me realize, wow, you know, this is how the music came out. Yeah. 
Doing so, it. and then after that, starting to started to develop more of an ear and play some stuff by ear as well. But the thing I started out with were those chord charts that yeah. my, my guitar teacher taught me when I first started playing. Cool, cool, yeah. So, do you write music and um, and lyrics for the band that you're uh, for the bands that you've been in? I do. I would say that. I am more of a riff writer than an actual songwriter. And I've worked sure. with guys that were more of a songwriter. So when I... So, so it worked out. Like, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, my buddy Boogie, my drummer friend, that's I've been, I've been in most of those bands we, you know, you talked about, I, we were in the band together at one time or another. And he has, I mean, he can mess around a little bit on guitar, but he comes from a drummer thing, yeah. know, mindset. Yeah. And so the to me the best times of writing stuff have been just me and him in you know a little practice room. Right. Bouncing ideas back and forth. Or he might show me this guitar thing he come up with on his acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and we'd start developing it and stuff like that. And so I'm I'm more of a collaborative type type of writer. You've got guys like Luke Combs that can write this song and take it to Nashville and they'll record it for you and yeah, and have to put all the other instruments to it. But yeah, I've done a lot of writing music, a lot of riffs, more so than complete songs. Lyric ideas and stuff I've kind of kicked around, but usually that's more for the lead singer to do. Mm. But the sure. bands that I've been in, usually it's everybody just kind of throws in their ideas and see what's the most the popular, what gains the most traction in the writing process or the jamming process is what, you know, usually it's just a jam session. Right. Right. So those are going and saying, okay, we're going to write songs from five o'clock to six o'clock. Yeah, yeah. you can't really do that. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. So, out of all the bands that like you've been in, high school bands, bands now, bands in the past, uh, was there any bands uh, that you remember that got on radio station airplay? Never better. Got some radio play. I want to say it was ninety three five back then, one hundred two point five, ninety three five, I believe. It would do some Battle of the Band stuff and would kind of do that. Right. You play for free, basically, yeah. to win something. And so they would spin our songs a few times, but a lot of stations like that have you know all their signed artists all throughout the day, and they might have an hour where they'll play local music. Yeah. And that would usually be like Sunday night at midnight. Oh, no. Well, no yeah, right. Or us people yeah. that have day jobs have to you know, be in bed already by the end. Right. Yeah. So from time to time, yeah, we would get some stuff from 93.5 okay. with Never Better. Okay. Yeah. Was, and Boogie yeah. was also in that band with me, too. Actually, he and I started that band. Right. Okay. So nice. Nice. It was nice. good times. Good times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, when did you uh, when did you form Bull Street? I would say probably <clears throat> early 2000s. I moved to Columbia around 98 or 99. Right. Trying to buy a house get a decent job and that kind of stuff. And then a couple of years later, answered an ad in free times looking for a guitar player and I met some guys that way. And then that turned into something else and then it turned into something else. Yeah. So around 2003, just, you know, trying to get my feet wet in the, in the Columbia area and met some musicians and stuff. And actually in that band, we had a drummer that started with us that didn't want to do it, but he just kind of helped us out for a while till we found somebody else. Boogie come in Boogie can, yeah. through a mutual friend. We met him, and me and him have been brothers since then. Cool. Oh. Cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So, okay, so 
Well, since Bull Street, you formed a, a band called Down Count, which we heard in the intro. Right. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the band? Like, how did it start and everything? Yes. We'll back up just another step. After Bull Street split up, me and Boogie started Never Better. Right. Now, that doesn't mean we owned the band or anything like that. It's right. just we were, like, still together. We want to do something. Found a singer. Found a couple other friends. Come in and did that. Towards the end of Never Better, I met a friend of mine named Doug who met him through some mutual friends. We shared similar social beliefs. Right. Or political yeah. beliefs or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, he's, he approached me. He's like, man, he's like, I like the Never Better album you did. Got some ideas. I can play guitar a little bit. I can play drums. I can sing. I want some help getting my, turning my ideas into songs. And I'm like, well, cool. Let's get together and work on some stuff. And the guy was a really good writer. I mean, he had pretty much, except for solos, had some songs fully written. Right. And so that kind of, I want to say a, not really a side project, just something where, where with Never Better, my lyrical ideas wouldn't necessarily fit because mm-hmm. it wasn't a politically based band. Down Count was. And right. It was just me and Doug basically just putting all our ideas together as far as, you know, riffs or songs or lyrical content. Sure. And that's how that come about. And, you know, really the, the Columbia <clears throat> music scene is, when I first got into it, there were like several places to play. And now, really, it's just, you know, you've got two or three places, maybe, for original music, and everything else is cover bands. Right. And I'm not knocking cover bands. I've been in a few. I love playing covers. I love playing originals. Um, so it just, you know, we, we did the album that we wanted to do, played a few shows, um, I guess sold enough CDs to make our money back out of it. Right. And then just both of us kind of, since we were from two different towns, went on to do different projects or whatever. Mm. Okay, cool. So, um, so how about um, Bad Cash? How did that happen, and you know, when did that come about? Well, Bad Cash was a band that's been around. Wow, I think they've been around ten years, twelve years. Yeah. And um, and after Down Count, I was uh, got inv- invited to join Audio Shot. Boogie, mm-hmm. my buddy, had started a cover band, Audio Shot. And I did that for a while. And they just, you know, uh, through life and, you know, family stuff and moving and buying a new house, all that kind of stuff, that band kind of guys just went their separate ways. Yeah. And I was kind of out of a, out of playing in bands for, you know, a few months or whatever, just kind of focusing on other stuff. Right. And I got a call from Jimmy, who is like the driving force behind Bad Cash. He does the booking and he's the lead singer said that their guitar player, who was also a friend of mine, was leaving to do something else. I don't know if I wanted to audition for it. So I did, got the audition, played with them for a couple years. And uh, it was fun. You know, made a little bit of cash in my pocket. Played a lot of covers that I liked. And, you know, as with any band situation, as far as a cover band where you're playing, you know, three or four hours a night, play some songs you like yeah. to play. And in case you have to play a song, you're not really crazy about playing that night. Cause Oh, we played this song every over night and over and over and yeah. stuff kind of happens, yeah. but still just the thrill of playing live, um, made it just so much fun. Right. Because to me, yeah. like you're playing, if you're playing a little place that, you know, holds 50 people 
and three people are really digging on your music or you're playing or whatever, yeah. it can still be a fun night regardless of what else is right. going on. Yeah, because that's all that matters. Yeah, it's, 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 like, like if like two or three people are, are, are digging it, that's all that matters. You know? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it, yeah, it I got their the, favorite song in the world, you know? And, you know, it, we're, we all, we've all been there with playing songs. We're just like, I'm over it. I don't want to do this song <laughs> anymore. <But> if <laughs> yeah. you get out there and people react to it and it just kind of, feed off that energy and it just makes it worth it yes you are hitting the nail on the head (laughs) so i have one more question but i think that we should uh get a um luke holmes to ask it well i'm gonna uh, just let him ask it for you real real fast hold on just a minute did i So, Luke Holmes, Brosley, James Cox wants to know what, what you're listening to. Because that is the best song ever. Ever. Right? James, that is awesome. And I love the way you put that in there. That's awesome. You know, I've got a six CD changer in my vehicle now, so I can put multiple stuff in there. Probably... There's some music like Blizzard of Oz. I love it so much, but I'll go for a while and not listen to it mm-hmm. because there's just so much good music out there. Right. You can't listen to the same right. thing yeah. over and over. Exactly. But then after a couple of months of not listening to it, you're like, oh, I'm going to bust this out and play it again. It's almost fresh again. Right. And that album just never gets old for me. And I, the other day, um, had to go somewhere to get something. And so I asked my daughter, Marissa, if she wanted to go to the store with me. I said, I want to play some Randy Rhodes. You know about Randy Rhodes? And she knows, she knows Crazy Train. Yeah. So uh, I took Blizzard of Oz, and we hopped in the car and went to the store and listened to that there and back. I was just telling her about my story that we were just talking about as far as what made me want to play guitar. Right. And just I hadn't, I guess, like I said, listened to it in a month or two or so and just listened to the whole album from start to finish, and it was like, man, this stuff is just so good. And listen to what kind of takes yeah. me back to that. Right. And, you know, side note here, a few days later, I get a package in the mail, and Marissa had bought me a Randy Rose t-shirt and had it delivered to the house. Yes. Because, cool. And it was just, you know, good daddy-daughter time. Right. Just hanging out. Yeah. And so uh, Ozzy's usually, he's got so many good guitar players, Jakey Lee and Zach. So that kind of stuff's always in rotation. But I would say lately... Pantera is always in the mix somewhere because Pantera is my favorite band nice. ever. Yes. Vinnie yeah, Paul yeah. is my favorite drummer ever. Right. So yeah. there's Pantera stuff always in the mix. But lately, I would say I've been turned on to Body Count, Ice T's metal Count, band. Great, great. Nice. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Love it. And Cavalera Conspiracy. The two okay. Cavalera brothers. Yeah. That Ma- were in. The Mexican. They were Brazilian guys yeah. that were in Sepultura. Right. And right. then they had a falling out. And Singer went and did Soulfly, and the drummer kept Triple Tour going. They got back together several years ago. They've got about four CDs out now, but that first one, Cavalier Conspiracy, if you like metal, check it out. That thing is just brutal. It's great riffs, great hooks. It's just great all around. So uh, probably say lately, Body Count and Cavalier Conspiracy has my ear the most. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 
Well, um, we thank you for coming on and and kind of opening our eyes to your um, world, I guess, musical world. And yeah. Uh, yeah, this has been really, really fun. I enjoyed it. Oh, I had a blast, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was yeah, awesome. Okay. It's done already? It's done. Wow. It's done. We're done, man. <laughs> <laughs> you have answered all of our questions so far. So. Awesome. Although I do have one question for you, if you don't mind. Answering. Not at all. Um, you mentioned Jake Lee and Zach Wild and, and all these other guitars. Which one inspired you the most to play guitar? Was there any just one band that really grasped, you know, grasped you and said, okay, this is it. This is what I want to do. Right. Uh, Randy Rhodes was the man. Yeah. Always be my biggest influence. Right. Non-musician, my older brother, but my only brother, my brother, having that stuff around and having all the Kiss posters on the wall and having the old Kiss stuff. Yeah. That was so cool. Yeah. And the thing is, just looking at, like Ozzy's guitar players specifically, Jakey Lee just come out and sounded very different. And that stuff he did with Ozzy was just so good and yeah. different, but still very good. And then he did Badlands, which was awesome. His best playing, I think, was that first Badlands album. Right. And then Jake, and after Jakey Lee, Zach Wilde's just, I mean, he fit Ozzy to a T. I right. think those first two albums he did with Ozzy, No Rest for the Wicked, No More Tears, yeah. Yeah. are just... You know, and not to knock on the guy, I'm not really a huge Black Label Society fan. Right. Because it's it's it it's good stuff. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. But to me, his playing like on No More Tears, his solo album, Book of Shadows, and the Pride and Glory album he did. His playing and his singing and everything was just so good on all that stuff. His his you know, to me his vocal performance like on Book of Shadows is just you know, almost as good as a guitar playing. Right. It shows you just how talented this guy is. And of course, when Pride and Glory come out, that was the first thing he did outside of Ozzy. It's like, wow, man, listen to this. You know, yeah. really know what to expect. Right. And it's just so good, the writing and everything, and that Southern feel to it was just so killer. Right. So those, those three guys, man, I think they had, they all brought something different to the table mm. and all are, I guess, equally impressive. It was just Randy was the guy to me that just was like, bam, right. I got to do that. Yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. cool, yeah. Okay, so um, once again, you know, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, thank you for this interview. It's Man, thanks fun. for having me. This is fun. We'll do this anytime you want to, James. Yes, sir. All right, good to have you. Absolutely. Good to have you. Yeah, man, good talking to you. You too. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. All right. Yeah, man. We will see you next time. Bye, y'all. See you been listening to the when words fail music speaks podcast stay tuned for more and thank you for listening